Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Today, brothers and sisters, we come to the end of the liturgical year. Next Sunday, we jump into the new liturgical year with the first Sunday of Advent, and we know the church calendar is split into two halves. The first half, beginning with Advent, we could call the story of Christ, and, and then after Pentecost, we move into the second half, which we could call the story of the people of God, which to me sounds a lot better than ordinary time. And we get this wonderful service today that commemorates Christ as King over all people and over all nations and over all rulers and powers. And we see this book ended at Pentecost with Christ ascending to the throne. So we begin with uh, some beautiful passages of scripture today where we see Christ enthroned, if you will, on the cross. And then at the end of, uh, the, end of the, the, uh, the first half of the year, we get this Christ ascending to reign in heaven once more. And coinciding with all of this is our conclusion today to the series we've been doing for the past I don't know, 12 weeks now, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And many don't like the name of today's feast day, Christ the King. And part of the reason is it's a relatively newer uh, day of observation on the church calendar uh, given to us uh, from our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters. But other people don't like it because the word king is gender language, right? It's kind of patriarchal. Still others don't like that name because they assume that like the, that the early church was so drunk on power that once Constantine became emperor and ruined everything that the church went down the tubes really quick and became so enamored with imperial power that they fell prey to it right away. And that those assumptions about imperialism kind of run very strongly in some circles today. And there's this assumption that authority and authority structures are themselves inherently wrong. But we know, brothers and sisters, that there have to be some authority structures or else we would degenerate into chaos. And that's what Christ does. That's what he accomplished for us, reigning as king for us, right? At creation, Christ tames the waters of chaos and the gods and powers of chaos, and he sets the world into proper order, which humanity promptly messes up. At the cross, he tamed and conquered the chaotic powers of sin and death, and he sent the Holy Spirit to us to tame the chaos created in us by sin and to guarantee that we would share in his divine life. To have an enthroned king means that we are not our own, that our lives are not our own. And indeed, Scripture reminds us of this over and over again. This means then to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. That means as we live as those citizens during the reign of Christ, right? It's, this is shaped by how he calls us to live and to obey the commandments that he's given us. And some theologies take a very, very bare-bones approach to this, right? That, the, that the, the whole thrust of the Christian life is to make the world a better place. Right? And that's not entirely wrong, right? We are called to serve. We are called to help the poor. We are called to help and, and bring care and God's love to all who need it. But that's only part of the story. We're not just trying to make the world a better place. The reign and rule of God with Christ as king is breaking through, and God is bringing it 
to its fruition and to its completion. And just because human beings make crappy kings doesn't mean that Jesus is a crappy king. Human beings make really crappy kings. And I know this, and queens, I know this because we're watching The Crown right now. And I'm like, wow, that family is messed up on Netflix. The story of, of, of Queen Elizabeth, right? We know we are fallible as human beings, right? We are prone to sin. We are, are prone to follow after our, selfish, our selfishness. But Christ, brothers and sisters, is not a bad king. He is not a crappy king. He does not rise and fall uh, based on his, on his moods. And the hard sayings of Jesus, they help us to figure out how he asks us to live and to perform the commandments that he has tasked us with. And so today, based on the three readings that we've had from Jeremiah and uh, from Colossians and from the gospel according to St. Luke, three things uh, of of gathering, delivering, and saving. So the first one, we're going to talk about gathering. And we had, at this beginning of this text from Jeremiah, we see something terrible has happened that makes God promise to step in to deal with it. Jeremiah says, woe to those who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. So notice right away, brothers and sisters, that the sheep belong to God, as does the pasture. So what's the job of a shepherd, to keep watch over the sheep, to lead them to water, to lead them to places to eat, to shear them when necessary, to fight off predators and protect the flock. And we see that this has a twofold meaning in that both the religious leaders as well as the rulers of God's people, the kings, were those who were scattering the people. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. Israel becomes split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? And as soon as, okay, so what happens is Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he is like, he, he's like, I'm going to be the new king now, and I'm going to tax you worse than my father did, and it causes a rift, causes civil war. And the northern kingdom is like, nope. And so God gives it to this guy named Jeroboam, and then God says, follow me, everything's going to be great. Jeroboam's like, right on, God. And what do you think Jeroboam does as soon as that's all over? He builds two idols and puts them in different parts of the northern kingdom so the people won't be tempted to go worship God in Jerusalem. And he sets up these false idols in different places right after God has given him the kingdom. He leads them into idolatry. We even see this in the southern kingdom, in the kingdom of Judah. We see the kings leading people into idolatry. Go back and read King, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and you'll get a, a clear picture of this. And gradually, the people do get scattered because of this. The northern kingdom gets completely wiped away. And the southern kingdom of Judah here in Jeremiah is shortly going to be conquered by Babylon. And they're going to be sent into exile for 70 years. Their leaders have led them astray. And God himself is going to step in and deal with this. And he promises he is going to gather them. The scattered remnant of his faithful people. He is going to gather them from all of the places that they have been driven. He is going to bring them back into the fold and they will begin to multiply, begin to multiply and be fruitful once more. And not only that, he's going to put new shepherds in place. Shepherds who will not lead them into idolatry. Shepherds who will not lead them into sin. Shepherds who will protect them from their enemies. And a king in the line of David is coming. And when this king comes, all Israel will be free and live in righteousness and justice. And brothers and sisters, Christ is that king. He's gathering his remnant 
and bringing them into his fold, the church. He is taking those who are lost in sin and death and he is making them righteous and he tasks them with spreading his righteousness and justice to others. And like the people of Israel, we do the same thing, brothers and sisters. We set up gods of our own making. We may not make gods out of, of, of wood or gold or precious metals and then set them up above our mantle and then every night after supper you know, bow down before them or put food offerings in front of them. We may not worship idols in the same way, but brothers and sisters, we serve what we worship, right? And many of us serve ourselves. Many people serve their lusts. Many people serve material gain. Many people serve trying to get stuff at the expense of others. Many of us serve our own selfishness, and many people serve wickedness. And brothers and sisters, there are many shepherds in churches today who are quick to, in the name of justice, try to protect and to propagate what God has clearly forbidden. And we see the results of this. When shepherds lead people to idolatries, God will allow them to be scattered. But he will always regather around faithful shepherds who will lead his people faithfully. Next, we'll talk about delivers. God, Christ as king, delivers. So in the passage of scripture we heard from Colossians, we saw some amazing things. St. Paul begins echoing a prayer similar to the one we heard him pray for the Ephesian church a few weeks ago in All Saints. He prays they would be strengthened to endure, and he gives thanks to the Father for qualifying them to share in the inheritance of the saints. This inheritance is typified in the Old Testament by the promised land. God promises the land to Abraham and his descendants, and in many years he leads his people out of Egypt and into that promised land. He leads them from the land of darkness into the land, as they say, colloquially, flowing with milk and honey. So here, that's the pattern. The Colossian Christians are now partakers in this too. They have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Father's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. That means then, brothers and sisters, that the power and the authority of the rulers of the kingdoms of darkness no longer have any hold on them. They no longer have any claim over them, and they no longer have a right over their souls. Instead, they are delivered, and they are transferred into a new kingdom with a new king. And this new king, as we see the words of St. Paul here, is far above all of the rulers of the powers of darkness. The king, this beloved son, is the image of the invisible God. In other words, God himself. The son is the one through whom St. Paul reminds us all things were made, who has all authority over all things, who now rules and reigns and who is preeminent above all things, and who has reconciled everything and everyone on earth and in heaven to himself. This is the kingdom of the saints in the light. St. Athanasius reminds us that Christ, he has come to our realm and made his home in one body among his fellow people. As a consequence, the whole conspiracy of the enemy against mankind is beaten off and the corruption of death which previously overcame them is finished. The human race would have gone to ruin if the Lord and Savior of all, the Son of God, had not come among us to meet the end of death. And for us, brothers and sisters, we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. Then like the scripture reminds us, let us cast off those works of darkness. Because, brothers and sisters, if we, like the Colossian Christians, have been delivered and transferred into Christ's kingdom, then that means we can no longer live as if we still live in the kingdom of darkness. 
Because if we continue to live as if we would, if we were still living in the kingdom of darkness, we will slowly but surely begin to give that power over us once again. And little by little, inexorably, we will inch towards the kingdom of darkness and the rulers of darkness that Christ died to save us from. The third thing Christ does as king is he saves. We had that beautiful passage from the gospel according to St. Luke. This is a well-known and much-loved story in the Bible. And personally, I can't wait to get to Lent. It's a holy week. But what I want to notice here today is the words of the rulers compared with Jesus' identity and how he, in spite of their wickedness, is still not only saving them, but also saving the one hanging next to him. The people gathered around the foot of the cross. They are silent. And remember how in the portion from Jeremiah, we read the part about the Davidic king who would gather God's people, give them new shepherds, and lead them in righteousness. This is starting to happen right here on the cross. This is Christ's throne. And we see the old shepherds of Israel crucifying the true shepherd of Israel who will raise up his apostles as his new shepherds to bring all people into God's new people, into God's new fold, the church. The rulers mock Jesus and his identity. They don't know he actually is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. And the soldiers join in and mock him as well. And the soldiers tell Jesus not only to save himself, but to save them. Great irony here is that, that that's exactly what Jesus is doing. That's exactly what he's doing. What they're mocking him and telling him to do, he's doing it. One of the criminals hanging next to Jesus also joins him, but the other one, named by the, tur- uh, the church as St. Dismas, he sees something that the rulers and the soldiers do not see. He sees and he knows and he believes and he repents and he observes that he and the other criminal deserve their fate. And he asks Jesus to remember him in his kingdom. Jesus assures him that he will be with him in paradise. And paradise is where the souls of the dead go. And, and in Hebrew, they, in, for, for, the, for the Jewish people at the time, the place of the dead was called Sheol. And there was a place there reserved for the Old Testament saints, the righteous people of the Old Testament, a place of comfort while they were awaiting the Messiah. Jesus is telling him, the criminal, you will be there with me in that place. He's, he's essentially numbering the criminal with the righteous. And he is saving them for the resurrection and the age to come. Even in the midst of his own torment and agony, dying for those who will not accept him, Jesus still takes the time to extend grace to the criminal hanging next to him. And through his death, Jesus is still king and exercising his authority by choosing to submit to the evil powers of the world. But like St. Paul reminds us, if the powers knew what would have happened, they would have never have done it. And even in the middle of an unendurable pain, he asks for forgiveness for them. That's the kind of king we follow, brothers and sisters. We don't follow a king who lords power over people as a domineering, selfish tyrant, right? We have to, there's this association automatically in our culture today between king and domineering tyrant. That is, as if actually having authority is a bad thing. But brothers and sisters, Christ, we see, he's the only one who can be the true king, the good king, the non-domineering king who is not a tyrant, 
but rather rules over us by setting the pattern he himself asks us to follow. He doesn't just say, do this. He does it first and then says, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, <laughs> what's the old saying? You know, we, we tell kids all the time, some of us anyway. Uh, well, I don't say this because Isaac wouldn't understand anyway. But, you know, do as I say and not as I do. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, do what I did. He did it himself. He set the pattern for us. Our own death, our own self-giving love for testifying to his kingdom and then living as his people so that as many people as possible will choose to turn their hearts and receive the reconciliation that Christ the King extends to all. And in a few moments, we're coming to receive the Eucharist. We're going to pray. Remember, we're going to pray, neither will I give you a kiss as did Judas. But like the thief will I confess, remember me, O Lord, in your kingdom. And may the prayer of St. Dismas be in our minds as we receive the body and blood of Christ this morning. And may we strive to live as a righteous, forgiven people Christ has made us to be. And let us turn aside from the world of darkness. Let us no longer fall sway to their lure to turn back. Let us no longer, brothers and sisters, inch back towards the place Christ has freed us from. Let us no longer place ourselves under the dominion of the evil spiritual forces of this world and our fallen human nature. But let us live as his forgiven, chosen, joyful, thankful people. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the ruling and reigning King, who gathers, who delivers, and who saves, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and as all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, or on our Facebook page, zionstoneucc. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at malandsman at gmail.com or through our social media page, like I just mentioned. If you could take a couple minutes, we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church. So if you could donate anything, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're in the area, come worship with us. Our services are at 1015 and our Sunday school is at 9 a.m. Thank you so much again for listening. May God bless you.